0: It's Tuesday in New York City. As usual, millions of people are on their way to work in the morning rush hour. The streets are packed and the sound of engines and car horns are ever present. The time is 8.46 a.m. Nobody here knows it, but the course of the 21st century is about to be changed forever. The street. Okay. I do going on. Okay, the whole building just exploded for more. The whole top part. Okay. The building's still intact. People are running up the street. You're just joining us. The the breaking story that we're following out of New York City. Uh, within the span of 18 minutes, two separate planes crashing into the World Trade Center. About uh, of- five minutes ago, as I was watching the smoke, uh, a small plane. I. It looked like a propeller plane came in from the west, it disappeared for a uh, second, and then exploded. Okay, well, an FBI official has just told CNN that they are investigating, but they have not yet determined whether or not this was indeed a terrorist act. The official that I spoke to said that so far there has been no communication, no one claiming responsibility for uh, either of those crashes, as of thousands of our citizens.
1: I can hear you.
0: I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you and the people and the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. Today is the 11th of September, 2022, 21 years after the events of 9-11. Since then, the consequences of the attack have unfolded dramatically. We've watched the United States declare a war on terror, and with its allies invade two countries and topple their governments in the process. We've seen a rising instability in countries across the Middle East, And only last year we all saw America's chaotic withdrawal from Afghanistan, thus returning the Taliban to power and making the entire campaign pointless. All of these events are inextricably linked to what happened on that day in 2001. For many, it's hard to imagine a world in which these historical developments never happened. What would the politics of our world look like today? What situation would we see playing out in the Middle East without the war on terror? Well, all this, and more, will be covered shortly. My name's Tom DeLargee, and you're listening to What If The 9-11 Attacks Never Happened, on the first episode of a new series of This Is Not History. Before theorising an alternate reality in which the 9 11 attacks never happened, it's important for us to go through the events that actually led to these attacks. The story really starts in the 1980s, in the mountains of Afghanistan. It's a time of conflict. The Soviet-Afghan war is raging. Guerrilla fighters are battling hard against the Soviet Union's armed forces. These guerrilla fighters, also known as the Mujahideen, are Muslims from all around the world who've come to Afghanistan to help out the atheist invaders. Much of the funds fueling this insurgency were provided by the Americans. The CIA have trained thousands of fighters to wage a jihad against the Soviets. For the Americans, they view this conflict from a Cold War perspective. In their eyes, any enemy of the Soviet Union is a friend of the United States. This decision will come to haunt the Americans later on. Yet at the time, this marriage of convenience seemingly pays off after the Soviets eventually conclude their war and a humiliating withdrawal in 1988. With peace finally restored to Afghanistan, many of these former insurgents wished to expand their operations into other countries, aiming to spread their interpretation of Islam. They began to organize themselves into various factions. One of these groups eventually rose up above all others. Its name was Al-Qaeda. The infamy this group would eventually garner around the world was second only to that of its founder and leader, a Saudi national named Osama bin Laden. As the years passed, Al-Qaeda spread their influence across many countries, waging campaigns of terror across the Middle East and Africa as a means of achieving their aims. Eventually, these goals brought them into conflict with the United States. In the aftermath of Iraq's invasion of Kuwait, President George HW Bush assured the Saudis that American forces stationed in their country would leave once Iraq was no longer a threat. However, in 1996, they still hadn't left yet. This enraged Bin Laden who claimed that the USA was keeping troops there as an occupying force and that Saudi Arabia had become a colony of the Americans. In light of this, Al-Qaeda declared war upon the United States. Slowly, Bin Laden expanded his base of operations in Afghanistan and recruited more and more people to his cause. Bin Laden had vehemently opposed the Israeli invasion of Lebanon, aided by the Americans in 1982. Of this event, Bin Laden is quoted to have said, As I watched the destroyed towers in Lebanon, it occurred to me to punish the unjust the same way. To destroy towers in America, so it could taste some of what we are tasting and to stop killing our children and women. These events eventually crescendo into the September 11th attacks. Nineteen hijackers took control of four American passenger planes on the East Coast. American Airlines Flight 11 was the first one the hijackers took over. At 8.46am they flew it into the North Tower of the World Trade Center. United Airlines Flight 175 became the second plane to be hijacked as it was flown into the South Tower 17 minutes later. This resulted in the collapse of both buildings within hours and the destruction of much of the surrounding area in downtown Manhattan third plane, American Airlines Flight 77, was flown into the military headquarters of the US, the Pentagon, at 9.37am. The final plane to be hijacked, United Airlines Flight 93, was the only plane not to reach its target. The passengers on board managed to wrestle control of the plane back from the hijackers, and the plane crashed in a field in Pennsylvania. This plane was meant to destroy either the White House or the Capitol building, thereby decapitating the American government's ability to respond to the crisis. This was the last of the attacks. By the end, close to 3,000 people died and more than 6,000 were injured. President Bush addressed the nation that night. He told the American people, the search is underway for those who were behind these evil acts. I have directed the full resources of our intelligence and law enforcement communities to find those responsible and to bring them to justice. We will make no distinction between the terrorists who committed these acts and those who harbor them. After this, his approval rating soared to 90%. As the American public rallied behind their leader. Measures were taken on the domestic front to curb terrorist activity on the part of the US government. The Homeland Security Act of 2002 and the USA Patriot Act are both passed in aid of this. However, they have come under criticism for giving law enforcement agencies too much power by allowing them to invade citizens' private lives. As well as this, The National Security Agency was granted the power to conduct telecommunications surveillance without needing a warrant. The attacks were met with international condemnation, as support poured in from America's allies around the globe. NATO Security Council declared that the attacks on America represented an attack on all member states, invoking the famous Article 5 for the first time in the institution's history. British Prime Minister Tony Blair flew to Washington DC to reaffirm Britain's commitment to the so-called special relationship. On the 16th of September, Bush declared that America must now embark upon a war on terror. Using this as justification, the Americans and British launched a joint invasion of Afghanistan in October of 2001. They claim that the current rulers of the country the Taliban were providing safe haven to terrorist groups involved with the 9-11 attacks. And of course in 2003, the USA and coalition forces invaded Iraq. According to Bush and Blair, they aimed to disarm Iraq of its weapons of mass destruction to end Saddam Hussein's support for terrorism and to free the Iraqi people. Famously. There was zero evidence that Iraq obtained any WMDs according to a United Nations investigation prior to the invasion. Plans for the invasion had been condemned widely across the world prior to it happening. And between January and April 2003, 36 million people participated in 3,000 anti-war protests globally. Lack of evidence and international condemnation did little to deter the USA, however, and they went ahead and invaded Iraq in March of that year. What would a world without 9-11 look like? Let me set the scene. It's an alternate 11th of September, 2001. No plan has been devised by Bin Laden and Al-Qaeda fly planes into the World Trade Center. The group remains active in other countries but, while they are known to American security forces, no hijackers board any planes and none crash into their targets. It's just another Tuesday that comes and goes without anything of global significance happening. So what changes? Let's begin with looking at American domestic policy in the early 2000s. At the time of the attacks, President Bush was paying a visit to an elementary school in Florida. In this timeline, however, he would finish his visit and not be rushed off back to Washington DC. His approval rating would remain roughly around the 60% mark. No record-breaking highs for him in this timeline. Not much of significance would occur during his tenure he'd already passed one of the largest tax cuts in American history in May of that year, this being the bulk of his campaign promises. Perhaps most importantly, the controversial USA Patriot Act and Homeland Security Act would not be passed by Congress without a major terrorist attack to respond to. This all seems to suggest that the majority of President George W. Bush's time in office Would be focused on more mundane domestic issues affecting the day-to-day lives of American citizens. By no means would he come to be seen as a wartime leader. In regards to American foreign policy, I can say that right off the bat, there is no declaration of a war on terror. The USA never invades nations whom they believe to be aiding and abetting terrorist groups. For now at least. Without an American invasion of Afghanistan in late 2001, the Taliban regime would not be toppled by coalition forces and would continue to remain in power. Similarly, the invasion of Iraq in 2003 would not occur there would be no mass hysteria over Iraq's fabled weapons of mass destruction in the West. Saddam Hussein's regime would remain in power beyond 2003. However, it would not last indefinitely. The preferred tool that the United States would use to achieve its aims on the international stage would be diplomacy, not armed intervention. It would not suffer the hit to its international reputation as a result of its aggression, as it did in our timeline. During this period, in Britain, the Prime Minister is still Tony Blair, who had recently led the Labour Party to victory in a general election. In our timeline, the powerful position Labour held in UK politics was badly damaged by their decision to support the American invasion of Iraq, and led to many of his detractors coming to see him as a lapdog, kept on America's leash. However. In a timeline where there's no prospect of invasion, the global protests against them don't occur and aren't disregarded by the Bush and Blair governments, which in turn means that they don't turn off a large amount of the electorate. The relationship between the UK and the US is markedly different in this alternate timeline. There is no massive effort to consolidate the special relationship that Britain enjoys with the United States. They are still close allies of course, but Blair doesn't gain a reputation for sucking up to the Americans. So, at first glance, it would appear that this alternate timeline is a better one. By removing one horrific act of terror, the catalyst for the Americans misjudged war on terror is also taken out of the picture. This I'm afraid is wishful thinking. By eliminating 9-11 and expecting everything to be better means that we forget about all the other crises the world faced that didn't occur as a result of the attacks. The global financial crisis would still shatter the international economy, leaving many countries in highly precarious situations, their populations becoming desperate and highly dissatisfied with their governments. As we move on into the 2010s, that's when things really begin to go downhill. With the Middle East not being destabilized by the Anglo-American invasions, the regimes they toppled would remain in power. That is, until 2011. The series of revolutions collectively known as the Arab Spring that shook the authoritarian regimes in the region would still happen, although potentially later than they did in real life due to the more stable condition of the area. They began in Tunisia after Mohamed Bouazizi's self-immolation in protest against police corruption, however they soon became a mass movement fueled by dissatisfaction with government conduct. These protests spread eventually escalating into revolutions and civil wars. It's at this point that I think that Saddam Hussein's grip on power would be wrestled from his grasp. It's hard to know whether the dictator's fall from power would happen quickly, like the downfall of Egyptian President Hosni Mubarak, or become drawn out generating into a vicious civil war like the one that overthrew Colonel Gaddafi in Libya. Regardless I think Saddam's government would be overthrown and he would end up being arrested and probably executed as he was in real life. One country that did descend into civil war as a result of the Arab Spring was Iraq's neighbour Syria. President Bashar al-Assad would also be fighting to retain his power, against the Free Syrian Army, Kurdish militia groups, and Islamic State fighters. With Iraq and Syria both embroiled in their own internal conflicts, the entire area would still become a charnel house of violence. One of the main consequences that arose from the chaos of the Arab Spring was the rise of terrorist organisations which moved in to fill the power vacuum led by the old regimes. Groups like Al-Qaeda and ISIS would still become a force to be reckoned with in the region and would all begin vying for power by staking claim to territory in attempts to grow their influence. If this were to happen, I'd predict that the various warring factions would seek to gain support from outside powers, like in real life. Iraq and Syria would become massive proxy wars. As these groups grow in power, it's likely terrorist attacks still take place in Europe and America, sowing fear into their populations. Xenophobia and racist attacks against people of Middle Eastern heritage would spike. At this point, I think that the United States eventually would get involved and intervene militarily in the Middle East these wars would end up being equally as disastrous as the interventions of the early 2000s in real life. As you can see, this alternate timeline is rapidly taking a turn for the worse. It may come as surprising to some of you But this isn't something which looks entirely unfamiliar to our own timeline. The great surge of migration to Europe would still occur due to the conflicts in the Mediterranean and put pressure on the European Union, with multiple member states demanding to have their needs met. This, coupled with the increasing levels of economic strife across the world due to the global financial crisis, leads to an ugly reality. The general trend we have been witnessing for some years now would still happen in this alternate timeline. Growth in support for extremist political movements would begin to rise, with parties on the far right capitalising on voters' dissatisfaction with the economy and xenophobia towards migrants being let through their borders. Figures like Viktor Orban, Boris Johnson and Donald Trump could potentially still rise to power during these years, The seeds of reactionary politics would still find fertile soil to grow in these trying times. The lack of trust in our institutions and our government officials would persist. In short, the political volatility we've seen in Western democracies during the 2010s and 2020s seems almost inevitable. Overall, after looking at all the crazy events that have come about in the last two decades, there's clearly a massive cause and effect relationship between September the 11th and the political state of the world today. However, it doesn't serve as an adequate explanation for all of them. After taking 9-11 out of the equation, it doesn't seem to mean that the state of the world drastically improves. Hundreds of thousands of men, women and children would still suffer and die during these chaotic times. It seems, to me at least, that many of the problems that we face in the 21st century were simply brought forward in the timeline by these attacks, and that this alternate history scenario really just delays the reality we're all too familiar with already. And so, On that rather depressing note, that brings us to the end of today's episode, exploring an alternate history scenario in which the 9/11 attacks never happened. This is not history. is written, produced, and narrated by me, Tom Delargy. Be sure to follow on Twitter at nothistorypod if you wish to suggest new ideas for episodes you'd like to hear. Or maybe let me know something that you disagree with in the scenario that I've showcased. That being said, thank you very much for listening. And I hope to see you in the next episode of This Is Not History.